0: Be really, really careful, and everything has to be sterile and clean. And I had one of those bandages on for nearly three years, so you know, when I see them, it's, it's, it's they're still in, in one of my presents, they still haven't. If you cut your knee, you can put one on, like, but when I kind of look at them, I kind of go, Ooh. It's 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 a reminder of it.
1: Riverstown native Paulette Gilligan reflecting on some of the items that reminds him of his time on dialysis.
0: And the other thing is, the, the cassettes what it is when I was on dialysis. What they actually used to do, it's not a blood dialysis. Uh, it, what they actually do is they pump this fluid in around your tummy and it actually cleans your blood. Your blood passes it and it sucks all the bad stuff out of it. This fluid used to come, Baxter uh, used to come, company that, that do that stuff. There was a room full of these boxes. And when I say full, you know, it would fill any box from top to bottom. It came in cardboard boxes, so, you know, we have files in the cardboard box i still have a few of those like that are holding old photos and things like yeah. that when i see them i kind of go i can remember but then you kind of you kind of bring yourself forward and you're going well i don't miss those do you know what i mean a happy thing to see them at the same time he
1: Pawrik went on to receive a kidney from his brother Andrew in 2009. Thankfully, the operation was a huge success and today both brothers are living a normal, healthy life. In the following documentary, Pawrik tells us his story of what the quality of life was like before and after the transplant operation, which was life-changing to say the least. Porick was born in Riverstown in County Sligo and from a young age, his condition soon materialised.
0: But when I was roughly six months old, I had a bad night, crying a lot like babies do. But, you know, when child just doesn't stop crying, they brought me to the doctor and then I was brought to Sligo General. So they did plenty of tests on me after a few weeks. They sent me up to Crumlin. So basically, it, I had quite a lot of operations uh, in Crumlin and I was in and out. But between different blocks, I would have been there for about 18 months basically from six months to just past three. Like, it was tough on my mum and dad, I'd say, because, you know, my mother would say that she'd go up to the hospital, like, and, you know, from Sligo to Dublin, wasn't a straight road like it is now. Like, it was three older kids as well. So, like, my mum would go up as often as she could, my dad as well. My mother would say that, uh, you know, I'd she'd come into the hospital, I'd look at her and I wouldn't have a clue who she was. The nurse would come in and I'd smile at the nurse. <laughs> I knew my the nurse was better than I did my... My mother it's probably heartbreaking for her. Mum was a teacher, yeah. You know, I'd be working during the week, and as I say, it, it it wasn't. It was a long spin up, and with young kids at home, like three young kids, and one care family. But they they they, they kind of said like, take him home. He he probably he probably won't make it. Like you know that type of thing. So they hadn't really any hopes for me at all. Like
1: despite this far from optimistic prognosis for Porrick, he still enjoyed a normal and healthy childhood.
0: I didn't get any worse, and. Like I, when I started school, I was a normal, you know, four-year-old kid. Like, and all through school, I had no issues whatsoever. You know, and and secondary school, we played football. In fact, I I hardly ever called. You know, I was I was never at the doctor unless I needed stitches in my head or something like that. You know, but health-wise, I would have been fine. Involved in sports and everything. Like I had absolutely no issues. I never really went to the doctor. Was never sick.
1: Porrick's health started to deteriorate again from the age of 18. This was to signal the start of a difficult period in his life when he had to receive dialysis every night.
0: When I was roughly about 18, I got um, a kidney infection. So they found that there was protein in my urine, so they, they said, right, that's not a good sign. The function of the kidney was, it, it wasn't great. Like Basically, they monitored, monitored it, kept a really close eye on it. I spent a week in Sligo, and then they said, maybe you should hit for a bow mount, which specialized kidney hospital. All my appointments were in, in Beaumont Hospital after that. So I used to call up, about, I think it was once every once every six months to a year. It wasn't very often. The, the kidney function was decreasing. And then as the kidneys just got weaker and weaker, it was more often. For years, you know, and it, it, you would go to work or even even, you know, now that you think back on it, in school, you'd be tired, you know, when it started working, you would you've my kidneys were decreasing in, in a ability of what to do. I just come home from work, I'd be flat, I'd sleep on the chair and then get up and go to bed like, like you haven't got the, the energy. Like the doctors could tell you because they could see. What I did was peritoneal dialysis. It's so long ago now I, get, I can just about remember. First of all, I had an operation to insert these tubes into my, into my to give me this fluid that would clean my blood. So what you have is you have a tube coming out of your stomach. You have a dialysis machine beside your bed. I think it's three litres of fluid on top of that machine. And basically what it does, it heats the machine. It's like a di- heater. And there's a pump in it as well. You have that that fluid. You go to bed, you click onto your machine, and all that fluid that's in that bag pours into you, in, in round your stomach. The blood passes by it through your peritonea, and it sucks all the bad stuff out. But you have four of these bags on a drip stand beside your bed. first bag is drained into you, so your tummy goes out like a balloon. And then it stays there for maybe a couple of hours. And then it's drained out into the drain in your shower. You have another tube coming out and it goes down the drain and out. It does that four times. It takes about eight hours. And then you just unclick yourself. You can sleep, but it's not sleep sleep. You know, like if you turn around in the bed, this, this, you have all these tubes coming out of you. So, you know, you, you, you kind of have to sleep on your side and you have to sleep in a way. It's not, you do sleep, but it's more exhausting than anything else. Like, but you know, you can have a good sleep. But it's, it's not it's not proper sleep. You know, your, your, your machine can beep if, if there's a kink in, in your tube. <laughs> it's loud, like, and you're afraid you're going to wait like I had a baby at the time.
1: Despite feeling exhausted, Porrick continued to work and help support his young family. He kept information about his condition under wraps until one day a tube slipped out from underneath his clothes. And this alerted his work colleagues that he was dealing with a medical issue. All the time while this was happening, Porrick, remember, was on the transplant list when he was waiting for a call to come in to confirm that he could have to head for surgery at any time.
0: It was in Rogers and Ballymore, actually, I was working. And they were very good to me, I'd say, but I had put stuff up on a shelf and it was up on the steps. The tube had come untangled from the bandage, like the, the bandage that I was speaking about earlier. It came and it fell down. And, uh, and one of the lads went, Jesus, what? What's that? What's going on down there? So I told them, anyways, and they were like, you know, for a few days it was like, are oh, you all right? And, you know, I don't, <laughs> no special treatment at yeah, all. But I know I have to say for every appointment or anything that I needed, you know, I have to say they were absolutely brilliant to me. But before I was on dialysis, I was on the transplant list. So you're hoping that you might get a transplant before you have to go on dialysis. But it didn't happen for me. I was on the list while I was on the list, but you're, you're always, always answer the phone you know it doesn't matter and you have to middle of the night and every phone call you're kind of going i wonder is that it like and you're kind of you're looking forward to it but on the other hand you're you're thinking some poor they will you know meeting this maker to, to for me the phone thing like it's always beside you your phone is your best friend because you're just waiting on that call and sometimes you get excited like if the phone went in the middle of the night Isn't is nothing big, but you're kind of gone. that could be it like. and then it's one of the lads needing a lift home from the pub and they go oh, Jesus, do you realise I'm on a kidney drug, lad,
1: it was at this stage that the prospect of a live donor was first mentioned to Porik
0: I was up for an appointment and it was I would have been nearly three years on it at, 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 at dialysis at the time one of the doctors just said to me he said you know we're doing live donors of the brothers and sisters and I was going uh no not really <laughs> you know because I, I had no interest in it at all like yeah but anyways i went home and my mum rang me and she asked me how to get on and i said, this is they were on about two live donors and things like that i said jeez i wouldn't have any interest in that like you know i don't even know why i mentioned it to her but Mammy being Mammy, she mentioned it to one of them we've mentioned it the other the other the other and that the day after they were all up at my house it was in ballymore at the time and they were i'll give you a kidney i'll give you a, there was was kidneys to give me two kidneys like they were, they were just they were yeah. they were passing around kidneys as if they were and I was just like just go away guys you know you came down to two like you know you'd imagine that we're from the same blood group we you reckon you're you're the same but no Andrew and Miriam were the only two that that were were a match. Both of them said that they would and uh Miriam was living in Carlo at the time and Andrew stepped up and he said he'd do it. But he had his mind up like in all fairness. And kill each other like (laughs) i don't know why like uh, but um i wouldn't give me a kidney if i was in but he was he no he went he went in all fairness and as well as that like when he decides to donate a kidney i can't have any hand actor partners you did and you're told that like you know i can't say you go in for your own appointment you have an appointment now i don't he has to do absolutely everything himself he had to make his appointments i couldn't I wouldn't like when it came to i wouldn't speak to him about it like but he did all made all his appointments and all his tests and like he had, he had a few months of hit tripping up and down to, to orbit Typical brother, you know, for about two days, I was nice to him. And then you know, God, you know, I got what I wanted. I know, yeah. but it, 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 like before the transplant, I'd always say to him, you know, you can change your mind. You don't have to do this. Like, you know, like Andrew just telling you, get lost. With you. Andrew had a massive operation. Like, the operation to take out the kidney is far, far bigger than the one to put it in. Uh, now it was, now they, they do it with keyhole. They deflate the kidney and suck it out to a wee hole. It's, it's, it's an easier operation but he had a proper operation so but when they take out a kidney they have to cut around the back of it and you know whereas with me you have a vein, you have a vein coming up your leg which they just it's, like a kidney is just like a filter it sounds simple but that's basically what it does have Vein have coming up the inside of your leg and um, they attach one side of it to the kidney attach the other and then they stitch it into your bladder so they're just putting it in there like they're not doing too much shuffling like well, I think I said, this better work.
1: You are probably aware by now that Porrick possesses a very strong positive mental attitude and an infectious sense of humour. Here are some of his early memories from the day of the kidney transplant operation.
0: The two of us were beside each other, kind of, well, not the same way, but he was in the bed beside me. Porters came up, two porters came up, Porrick Killigan. I was going, yeah. And says, uh, come on, you're having an operation today. I was going, oh, right, sound. And brought me out says, good luck to Andrew, you know, see you." And we were going down down through the corridor and I said, That's you sure you have the right man. So I hope you're not taking the kidney out of me because mine are jiggered altogether. I says, I think it's the other guy you need, like so they were going, Well you know so back up and then a few minutes later Andrew was off, so I was kind of going, That 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 was that was probably the right decision. Like no point taking anything out of me. It's it's an operation that's been done so many times. But you always think like, Oh geez, if he, if anything happens to him, like, you, you do fear for person that's like it's a massive thing and if he doesn't if, if he didn't come back like if there was any complications like you would feel guilty like. no. as i say for anyone that is having kidney drive it's done thousands of times but you know yourself you're always having those those thoughts like you know
1: so the operation was now completed and a nervous wait had to take place to make sure that Porik's body did not try to reject andrew's kidney Porik takes up the story from the moment he comes around after the operation.
0: First thoughts of course were for Andrew that he was okay and I, I knew he was fine because Joan his wife was there and my wife then was there. They, they were kind of to go between sending messages between each other like I looked down to see the one thing that I wanted was the tube removed for the operation I said is this are you going to remove the tube like you know that that, that that gave me dialysis and they were like oh we don't we don't know we might leave it in just in case you need you know, you need you still need dialysis. I look down and not you. When you're on dialysis, your machine is taking out all the waste. So if if and some people actually don't pee while they're on dialysis, but I have no issue with there But your your pee would be pure clear because and even before dialysis, my urine would be kind of clear, It'll be nearly like water, like you know, because my my kidneys weren't taking out the waste. So you don't it's not yellow. After the transplant, oh my God, it's working like it's clicked in and it's. It's working. So that's that's one memory that I have. It just showed that kidneys were doing the job. Like usually after transplant, you're out. uh, Andrew was out within three or four days. I think it was four days and I would have been due to go out the same. Uh, But I picked up an infection in in where my tube had come out. This tube caused me an awful lot of pain. I was I actually spent nearly the first full month of of, um, February in the hospital just trying to clear the the infection and the reason being was because i'd be on immunosuppressive immunosuppressive drugs which lower your immune system you pick up infections pretty handy you know because you're and the reason you you you're they're trying to lower your immune system is because your kidney the kidney that you get doesn't belong to you so your body's natural reaction is to try and get it out of there and fight it and kill it like you know so they lower your immune system so you don't do that you couldn't really go near people people, but just in case of infection, but you don't, you don't realize you're sick until you're better. I had been years where I'd be exhausted. Like I, I, I wasn't well because my kidneys weren't working. The toxins were building up in my body. You know, my color, lots of people would ask you, oh, you yeah, on holidays and you wouldn't have been, it was just your skin color because you were just work well. Like when you, when I got the transplant, you kind of realize how sick you were because you've, you've so much energy. You know, it's it's such a massive change. It's like, it's huge, like, because you can, you can, bundles of energy.
1: porrick like all of us at a similar age in life, now must watch other health issues. He successfully managed to kick the habit of smoking and exercises regularly.
0: I've been a smoker, which is the most horrible habit that you can have. I do a bit of running. I do a bit of cycling. I don't, I don't smoke anymore. They're horrible. Jesus, anyone, stop them. And I drink a wee bit, not major. But just to keep myself healthy, try and keep the diet pretty good. It's a feel-good thing, like.
1: In 2020, the world was engulfed by the COVID-19 pandemic. We all remember the warnings for those that were immunocompromised to avoid contact with others. Porik, although living a full and normal, healthy life, since his transplant operation, was in this category and says the start of the COVID pandemic was a scary time.
0: I was petrified of it it was known it was it, we were let know by from the hospital and it was on the news that you know it was a really bad disease now the delta variant was really you know it was it was scary like because were so many people dying kidney transplant patients or any transplant patients will be on immunosuppressant drugs to lower their immune system they're very very susceptible to it i was absolutely petrified of it. i thought it was going to die in a few weeks it was so scary I'd be afraid to go to the shops. I'd be washing my hands constantly. It brought me back to when I was on dialysis. And like everyone else was watching the news to see, you know, how many cases. And it started low and it got high
1: Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. I'm John Lynch. An infectious disease expert is warning that further deaths from COVID-19 are inevitable as the number of cases continue to rise. In the latest set of COVID-19 figures released by health officials yesterday, there were 138 new cases reported across the country, with Donegal and Leitrim sharing 24 cases with 12 other counties. The number of cases in Donegal now stands at 545. In Sligo, it's 158, while in Leitrim the number has risen to 89. Yesterday's figures also confirmed five cases been added to Donegal in the county breakdown and two to Leitrim and one in Sligo. These cases were initially flagged on Saturday. No additional deaths were reported yesterday. Professor Sam McConaghy from the Royal College of Surgeons says it's now clear that the debt toll will rise
0: infection has been gradually growing. We can all see, as I said, the numbers growing not just tenfold, but now 15 or 20 fold from two months ago. And there's no reason to think that if we just keep doing what we have been doing the last two months that it will not continue to grow. The R number for hospitalizations is, is now rapidly jumping up almost to two at times. Deaths haven't started yet. But eventually I, I was kind of going, we were in lockdown. We weren't going anywhere. So that was fine. But I, I found myself looking at the news to see what the numbers were, and then I kind of went, well, Those aren't just numbers, they're actual people who have passed away, their family, and everything. So, you, when you kind of thought about like that, it, it even made it scarier, you know. And you don't want to be one of those statistics, but I think the, the news really had it out there, everybody was looking at it. So, I from my mental point of view, I stopped watching the news, I stopped watching telly, and I don't really watch telly to this day. I live in my own little bubble, and whatever happens, happens. And nothing happened. Thankfully, I think if I had to continue watching the news, for me I had to stop watching it because you just you go nuts. (laughs) Lockdown was a lovely time as well because it was quite peaceful. You didn't have to go anywhere. You weren't. It was family time, time, like you know. It it was quite nice. I enjoyed it. Like it was tough, you know. Parents living over the road and you were shouting at them outside the window. You couldn't go near them. You know that end of it was hard. Like the weather was lovely, we had barbecue most, most yeah. days. Um, we were blessed where we lived, like, because we're out in the middle of the country. Um the new N4, our road was completely closed off. So there wasn't even cars passing. It was like, there was nobody around us. We used to go for walks on the, we're just beside the, the new N4 and it wasn't big. So we used to go for walks and we'd meet the neighbors, you know, walking on the way. We'd shout across them, you know, because you can't go near them. Like, scary time, but a lovely time, you know? COVID wasn't bad now, to be honest with you, for business. Well, I have an online website, Gilligansales.com. shameless plug there. It was at the start when I heard about COVID, I was going, oh, geez, this is this is me gone anyways. And then the phone started ringing and the website started. So it was absolutely brilliant. It was crazy, 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 for about two or three weeks, and then stock right up of everything in the world. Like I, I would sell a lot of bicycles. After two, three weeks, probably i sold tons of bikes like and then i was thinking this is brilliant and then you could not get a bike you, some bikes you still not can't get to this very day like it was great and then the stock ran out so and like i do garden stuff for fire pits and stuff like that you know you sell a load of them and then you're looking to your suppliers and they've gone they've been bought out completely now like. the website out there and it's 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 you know the name is there like you know so
1: porrick has been through this ordeal and has come out the other side so what advice has he for anybody embarking on a path that he has travelled? He tells us not to fear the process and to trust the medical professionals and to avail of the support that is available.
0: It can be scary, but there's no need for it to be. When I was sick, I kind of, when, when I was told I'd have to go on dialysis, I was like, oh, that's grand, you know, i would take it as comes. They day they tell you, right, you're going on dialysis, you're having an operation next week and I'm kind of afraid of your life. There's absolutely no need because there's a lot worse things that you could have I'll tell you one thing Beaumont hospital you can ring them 24 7 if it's anything they will answer the phone to you or they'll put you in contact you go in and you meet people in the hospital and you can chat and gin and you're on the machine for three four hours whatever you know i think it's three days a week now i didn't do that um, but you know you, you you have people there who know what they're going through the dialysis that i did was very solitary because you're on your own the irish kidney association are brilliant because they have meetings every month you can go in and you can chat to people and when i started going to those meetings you know you would be ch- you would be talking to people who have the same problems as yourself like whereas i did my day else at home there's no one that you can have a wag with it about but the 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 IKA, they're brilliant like they're a fantastic organization like but you can chat to people you know just to talk to somebody is brilliant about your problems or if if if, if you're if you're going on dialysis i wouldn't be afraid of it it doesn't hurt you know that's what that's what i was always thinking Will it hurt or, you know it doesn't hurt. and you know operations they don't hurt like circumstances happen in life that there's nothing you can do about it and this is one of them but the good thing about it is if you got this 40 50 years ago curtains you would be gone you know the, the, there's no they're not going to do an operation on you you're just going to die like whereas now you know they can take it's amazing it's so amazing that they can take you know a, a a kidney from my brother and put it in to me and that's me alive you know whereas if it was 50 years ago wouldn't even be thought about it. and like there's, there's there is worse things you can have you know you know when you're on dialysis you can walk you can talk i go to the pulmont hospital and i see people i go walk once every four months at the moment like just check up Thankfully, it's 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 usually okay. Don't get me wrong; some people have a very hard time with it. You know, I'm not. My story isn't everyone's story. Most of them, they're not fine, but they're fine. They you can go about. It's amazing.
1: Porrick now tells the story to inspire, or indeed to provide comfort to others that are embarking on a similar journey to the one that he has travelled. Andrew is also living a normal life, and Porrick is always grateful to his brother, even though. Sibling banter still exists to this day.
0: Well, as, uh, Andrew has two kids, wife, married, he's working, he's fine. And we get on, we actually get on quite well, most of the time. <laughs> but, you know, the kidney is, is in, in all fairness, the kidney is a, is a big thing, and it has changed my life so And the odd time he go, you know, he's, he won't remind you, but he'll go, you know that kidney? I go, and I go, oh, geez, what you want? And it's to collect the kids or something from school. Like, you yeah. know, busy with Kira, Katie, Sinead and Patrick. Can I say hello to um, Saoirse and Daniel?
1: It's fair to say that Porrick is now happy to share his experience of having received a kidney. He has identified how, as a nation, we, the Irish, are good at talking and especially good at sharing our experience of sickness and medical procedures. He hopes by sharing his story... Showing how his life has changed from the time before to after he received his new kidney will act as motivation for others who are currently on dialysis and awaiting a transplant operation. Porrick is also full of praise for the Irish Kidney Association and he encourages those that need support to reach out and avail of the support on offer. The Irish
0: Kidney Association, if for and i'm just saying and i only have thought about that today but they for people that are doing doing home dialysis they call it or peritoneal dialysis you know if you give dika a ring they'll put you in contact with somebody that talks to you. and i remember getting a phone call from a girl in Mayo. Know, i think you know she, she got my number and she's like i hope you don't mind me ringing you to ask you i'm going on dialysis and like it's like typical irish if you know if you have a medical issue I Irish love talking about what's wrong with them, like, you know, (laughs) they'll talk for ages, like, you know, but so that girl, you just chatted to her, like, you know, she was worried. It was her mum rang me first and then she rang, don't worry, you know, it's fine. Like, talk to her about it.
1: Anyone who wishes to support organ donation is encouraged to share their wishes and keep the reminders of their decision available by carrying the organ donor card, by permitting code 115 to be included on their driver's licence, or by having the digital organ donor card app on their smartphone. More information and organ donor cards are available from various sources, including the Irish Kidney Association website www.ika.ie forward get a donor card by phoning the Irish Kidney Association on 01620 5306 or you can free text the word donor to 50050.